welcome to a tale of two rivals. A fantasy football podcast put on by your three-peat champion, trash-talking, go-with-your-gut winner, and a number-loving, spreadsheet-obsessed nerd that try to come to some sort of consensus to share with you, the fantasy football listener. Who am I joined by? You're joined by FF underscore Spaceman Dave Wright. I say this every time, but I feel like we're hitting our stride. We're uh, we're trying to carry on for our, our fallen comrade and Mr. Kennedy, but we're pushing on. He'll he'll be joining us soon eventually. Hopefully, hopefully he'll join us. I don't know, Todd. He, he's gonna have to try to drive a wedge between these two rivals here because we've been we've been gelling, my friend. Yeah, man. I I, I think the hangnail's almost healed. I think he's almost ready to come back. If he comes back, I don't know. Do you think he can fit back in? Do you think he can? I I, I think he can. I, I mean, I think he's just doing his best AJ Green impersonation at this point. Oh. All, just a whole bunch of air yards and nothing to show for it. All right. So, um, yeah, man, um, I think I'll check in first. Uh, just let the people know what's going on. So I finished my 12th profile for the IDP uh, rookie guide. Uh, you can get that pre-order on IDP guys right now. I did Monty Rice, did a little IDP. So that was fun to kind of dip my toe in there. I'm a big linebacker fan. Got some quality family time, lots of player ground time with the weather getting better. And I had a day date with my wife this weekend. It was our first day date since August. So that was kind of a big deal for us, and it was great. We went to uh, Wachusett Brewing, and uh, uh, Duchesne's and I are uh, talking about hanging out there since we realize we live pretty close now. And um, I will be running a pretty cool uh, little series on IDP, guys. So I'm going to be running an IDP Superflex Titan Premium Mock Giraffe. So what's going to happen is each rider is going to explain the analysis behind each pick. They're going to release each round. As its own separate article with a bigger wrap up at the end. Hoping to get some airtime with the final draft board and IDP update with Joey the Tooth. Since he's one of the guys drafting, I don't see why he wouldn't do that. But the thing about it is, is like with all the mock drafts that we've been doing together, Dave, like I haven't seen one person invite anybody to do an IDP one. Because IDP is hard on Sleeper. There's no solid ADP for that for IDP rookies. So we're going to just do it off a good old Google sheet and everybody knows the name. So I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, it's going to be a nice, fun thing to do with the team. That's going to be a, that's going to be a good project, man. I'm looking forward to running that. Very nice, man. I, I was just about to say, like, I don't know any ID, IDP rookies at all right now. And, and I shouldn't have said that because I didn't want to get a top 20 from you and sidetrack the show. So I should probably even should have mentioned that. But that's a cool idea. I, I definitely think some IDP rookie, I need some of that in my feed. So I'm, I'll be looking forward to that. So these are the safeties I like. So oh, just, come on. I, I, Get I, that crap. Cut it. Cut it. <laughs> Kate Stearns. <laughs> Todd, maybe we, we might have been targeting that player in our draft, Todd, that we're doing, our, our co-manager team. So you just blew it, Todd. You just blew it. Nah, he's overrated. Nobody wants him. <laughs> that means I'll probably like him then. So, uh, yeah, as far as what I'm concerned, what, what's been happening on the space band side of things, on the two ri- tail two rivals... I, it's been, I had a busy couple, it's been a busy week, man. I just finished an article for DLF on Jamar Chase. That was a lot of fun. Meat and potatoes type of article, just to, a little primer before the draft starts. And, and the prospect database, Todd, over on the Patreon is hopping, starting to put those pro day measurements in there and, you know, adding some rookies as I get some more birth dates uh, or date of births. It's really exciting times on the old spreadsheets, Todd. And then on the rookie fever, Todd, another three Rookie profiles dropped this week. Jason DiRienzo uh, and Fanero did Elijah Moore. Swags and Felix Sharp did Tamori and Terry, which was a lot of fun. And then I had Mr. John Bauer on as he broke down Amon Ra St. Brown. And, and then, Todd, as if it wasn't a busy week as it was, I appeared on the Five Yard Rush podcast over uh, across the water there with Rich, Dynasty, uh, Dynasty Island Rich. And uh, we had a lot of fun talking process, wide receivers, running backs, tight ends. A lot of fun talking with Rich. Great time. So yeah, it's been a busy week in the fantasy world, my friend. That sounds awesome, man. I, I got to say, I nominated John Bauer for the best podcast voice in the fantasy football community. I'll tell you, man, that guy was made for podcasting or the radio. He's also a great guy. Yeah, I like John a lot. Like John a lot. So, but I've already, t- I've already blown enough bubbles up John's uh, skirt here recently. So I'm going to leave that, leave that alone for now. But yeah, shout out to John Bauer. And 
What I really want to do, Todd, is get to question of the day. Let's do it. All right. Question of the day. And Dave, I just want to say, I think I've handled these question of the days pretty well in Kennedy's absence. We, oh, Todd, sorry. Before you do that, before you get to talking about today's question of the day, Kennedy chimed in about some recent question of the days. It got pretty, we, it, it was, we had some fun in our group chat talking about these recent question of the days. Oh, you two had fun, and I had a great time catching up to the 28 missed texts and reading about the, the, the theory of whether the, the pirates in were once little kids and never win. It was, it was unexpected, but delightful to read at lunchtime. It was, it was delightful for me because it was, it was a joy to, um, see Sean's ignorance on the premises of the premises. I don't know, <laughs> of Neverland and Peter Pan. So that was a real joy. Oh my God! I I actually talked about it with some uh, colleagues. It we came to it was inconclusive. I, we're we're gonna have some additional research. All right. So today's question of the day is: If you could live in any sitcom, which would you choose, Dave? So I had a pretty strict process here. I took this very literally. So I did not want to live in the city because I'm not a city guy. So I did not want to live in any city. So that automatically threw out a lot of my favorite sitcoms. And I did not want to be in high school again. So I did not want to be Freaks and Geeks came to mind, which is a great television or for that age. So I was like, I, I did not want to go back to high school. So those, that really wiped a lot of shows off the map. And it had to be a sitcom. So it's not a drama. So it had to be a sitcom. So I went with some of my favorites, like some of my favorite locations. One was Salute Your Shorts. I would love to go back and live the camper lifestyle, play Capture the Flag a couple times a day, water balloon fights, go swimming in the lake canoeing, fire range, archery, canteen. Oh man, that's tetherball. You know, oh, kickball. I'd love to go and live that lifestyle again. So salute your shorts, definitely. And another one, which was big on the locale, was a, I believe it was a Nickelodeon classic back in the day, Todd, was Hey Dude. I would love to live that ranch lifestyle. You know, there's, you know, bodies of water, great scenery. Right, get me out of the freaking city. Get, so that's why I went with Hey Dude. And then my final one, Yippee, Silicon. what? <laughs> and my final one was Silicon Valley, which was, you know, I, I would love to go live that nerd lifestyle of trying to invent some app. Uh, that was just a fun, I, I thought that'd be a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that there was two like significant nostalgic uh, Nickelodeon shows. I have a feeling that you uh, did, do not enjoy the fact that you've grown up. You, you got a lot of uh, things that are all about like keeping the childhood alive, you know. They're Peter Pan. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Todd, uh, Todd, I, I definitely do love summer camps. I love going out to camp. I do miss that part of Maine. Todd, you won't, I actually went through, this is pretty odd. This process for this, I probably spent two hours on this question today. I went and I looked at, on Wikipedia, they have a catalog of every sitcom ever, apparently. Alphabetical order, I went through it all because I was looking for one that was set in Maine. Uh, there was no sitcom set in Maine. So I wanted to go back and live in Maine, back to the, the way life should be, but no go, my friend. They want to make sure the setting that people that live there have TVs. So, of course, they wouldn't pick Maine, bro. Murder, right. she wrote, was there, though, Todd. I would love, but that's not a sitcom. So, it was, it was tough, man. It was tough. <laughs> that was a nice drop. I enjoyed that. So, so I had five on my list. I, I went through four honorable mentions, and I have my selection. So, my four honorable mentions, one was Friends, which uh, Joanne's choice like instantaneously like i threw the question out at her and she answered before i finished saying it uh for me like it'd be cool hanging out with joey chandler new york city would be fun apartments are pretty kick-ass the ladies but ross kind of sucks i feel like ross would really get on my nerves cheers i mean everybody would know my name and my drinking pals would be norman cliff i mean that would kick ass but like what's the craft beer uh situation here like samuel adams is not craft beer anymore like coors owns that bro like that's over the Simpsons. I would be a cartoon living in like the wildest place ever. That would be awesome. Now, the reason I didn't pick that is, would I want to be a cartoon forever? Because I'm living in it. So that, that seems like of, an autobi- it actually seems like an autobiography, Todd. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, man. Shots wow. fired. Shots fired. Zing. <laughs> I had nothing for that. Well played. Um, so Seinfeld. I just want to be Kramer and George and try that damn soup. Uh, other than that, man, uh, so when it came down to it, How I Met Your Mother won. So 
I lived in the city. It wasn't my thing necessarily, but I think that like New York and like, you know, being single and like in the right situation, I think I would enjoy it. So clearly this is like, I'm single, ready to mingle kind of scenario. That big apartment is freaking awesome. They hang out in an awesome bar. Barney as my wingman, Ted Mosby, an architect on the other side. Dude, I just need to show up and just be around that. And it's just going to be all day. Marshall and I would hoop it up. I'm always down for a good slap bet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, um, yeah, How I Met Your Mother, that's my choice. Yeah, no, that was a fun one. I'm a little offended, Todd, to be honest, with, with you picking Seinfeld. You want to meet Kramer? I'm your real-life Kramer, Todd. Come on. Come on. And you've got, come on, you've got Barney. Isn't it like Jay Powell? Come on. And then you've got Ted Mosby. I, I, you have a lot of these people in your life already, Todd. Jay, Jay, Jay Powell is not Barney. Jay Powell is not Barney. <laughs> he likes At to all. think he is. He likes to think he is. No, he is not. I, I, Jay Powell is Peter Pan. So. Oh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I've said that to his face. We're fine. <laughs> uh, love you, buddy. So, all right, let's get to the topic clarification. So if you listen to the last episode, it's the same show. We're just going on the part two. So we're doing a pick em, free agent or rookie. So again, been a very active free agent period. Tons of big names in new places. Lots of big names staying put. Instead of just grinding through a list, we want to do something a little different. So we're going to put these free agents up against the rookie class and see where Dave and I would value these guys. So we use the DLF rookie ADP for March to create like a sliding scale and essentially like what kind of rookie capital would Dave and I be willing to part with for some of these uh, recent free agents. So Dave, you want to care to elaborate on the sliding scale a little bit more? And as we are into this part of our free agents, we've t- we've already done a lot of the heavy hitters like Kenny Galladay, Juju, Dak. And so we're getting more into that second round value or maybe late first in a couple of situations. So it's getting more difficult as our rankings are more fluid as we haven't had the draft yet, pro days are wrapping up. There's a lot of movement for a lot of different people and landing spots and what have you. So sometimes we're we're probably going to be talking more draft picks instead of players, or maybe a range of players or a tier, just because when we say Eli Moore, that might mean 108 to somebody, but in the DLF scale, that's like 201, 202. So we're going to be, it's a little bit more fluid on the scale here. And that's honestly, that's how v- values are for different teams. There's there's a sliding scale of players that are more important to certain teams than others. So this is kind of a real life simulation, if you will, Todd. Absolutely. All right. So so our seventh rookie, because we did the first six in the first show. So definitely go check that out. That's where the more of the studs are. So our seventh rookie on our list was Hunter Henry. So Hunter Henry recently signed by the Patriots. Uh one of two big tight ends signed by the Patriots is John U. Smith. So Dave. Where are you valuing Hunter Henry against his rookie class? So it's pretty interesting how we approach Hunter Henry because Hunter Hunter Henry had one of his most his seasons. He was mostly healthy last season, which has been one of the the biggest knocks on him. And he had a great quarterback this uh, in Justin Herbert. So that was fun to see him paired about. And he had some he had some decent weeks. He was a a reliable uh, low tight end one, which that seems like an oxymoron when you really think about it. But he he. He had a nice little floor at times last year, so he had some value, but it definitely took a hit when he landed New England. And for me, it, it, I mentioned this a little bit earlier. I feel like last show or a couple of weeks ago, when I'm t- the way the tight end landscape is, you've got those top five, six tight ends, and you're trying to hit that upside. I'm not sure if Hunter Henry has any upside right now, unless there's an injury, unless that offense truly takes a step forward in the receiving game, which it's tough to see. Not that it can't happen, but it really seems very unlikely. I don't just don't see the upside for Hunter Henry on Giants Trade Calculator and tight end premium formats. He's rated as the 205. I don't think so. I'll take him over all the rookie tight ends first off, except for Pitts. That's how I kind of, that's kind of just give a, a little scale here. I'll definitely take Hunter Henry over the t- other tight ends outside of Pitts. But even in tight end premium, I'll take my top 18-ish rookies with him. So I'm not giving him up for, or I'm not acquiring him for anything more than the 206, 207. Uh, it, it's tough. Hunter Henry's value has taken a hit, Todd, especially even in tight end premium formats, in my opinion. What about you? So in the 206, I know we're talking about premium. Are you talking about single tight end or double tight end in that situation? All right. So that's a good question. So when I say 206, so it actually, so it changes for me. Like I would, I'm not even a, trying to acquire him in just regular tight end premium and one tight end leagues because I don't think he has that floor, that, that ceiling. So 
that's kind of like, that's how I'm looking. But when I do go to that two tight end thing, it's valuable just to even have a starter type production, a tight end two type production. And that's where I think Hunter Henry gets a little bit more bump. And that's kind of where I'm getting the 206 or that, that 208 vibe. But it, it's, yeah, that's kind of, so that's kind of where I'm seeing it. But I, dude, Todd, I'm just, this is just outside of how I play the tight end position, man. No, man. I mean, I can totally get where you're coming from. I'm glad I asked that because um, we're kind of in the same boat. So tight end premium, I'm looking at a two tight end situation. So I'm either going non-premium, one tight end, or tight end premium, two tight end, just to kind of get like a nice range of like where I'm thinking about this. So I had him around um, Amon St. Brown. That would be right around where I'm starting to make a, a situation, like starting to make a decision. And uh, on the DLF piece, he's about the ADP of like 206 which is exactly right where Dave's at too. Again, this is really before like landing spot and all that. And in a tight end, pretty two tight end set, like you're talking about like a proven producer. So if I'm in a situation where I'm actually going for it and not, if I'm already building, there's no reason I'm taking Henry over St. Brown, right? But if I'm trying to contend, like I'm probably going to lean towards Henry because that's a more valuable shallow position too. One tight end, non-premium, it's like Trey Sermon territory for me. So Henry's a very good tight end when he's healthy. And, you know, he went to a team that historically loves to utilize tight end. And I realized in our free agent draft, I went with Janu over him. But I, it, but it's close. And that was actually a tough decision for me then. And like I said, like in one tight end, I'm not even close to high on him. And like, I might take him over around the first back up-ish, like running back like a Trey Sermon. So early third, max in a one tight end week for me. I don't even care if it's premium. <laughs> like One tight end, early third max for me, which is right away where Trey Sermon's predicted. So depending on capital and landing spot, I got to be honest, I think I might like Jordan and or Firemuth uh, more. I just need that info, baby. Like, that's what I need. I need. I need to know what their draft capital is. I need to know their landing spot. There are two tight ends that I am high on. I love Firemuth and Jordan's uh value in this draft i think they're severely overlooked because of pit but i just need to see where they land before i could really make that commitment it's a tough position to value what tight ends are before you even know where they're at you know so there's just so many questions that position i need to answer but long story short two tight end premium league right around 206 which is around st brown territory i would consider henry not even thinking about until like moving a third round pick at some point in a one tight end league and this is a little bit off kind of the topic, but the thing with tight ends, Todd, and my philosophy with tight ends are I'm trying to get these ascending tight ends, and I don't really feel like Hunter, Hen- Hunter Henry's ascending anymore. I mean, I, I guess he could be, but you don't get that feeling that he's an ascending young tight end anymore. And Okay, let me interject. I, I appreciate where you're looking at that. I think young ascending tight ends tend to come with a higher price tag. And they're not a sure thing. With Hunter Henry, if he's healthy, he's going to produce and he's going to probably be in the tight end one conversation. And he's not going to cost the same kind of capital. And I'm moving for a Hunter Henry if I'm trying to win. And I, and like, I get it's a short-term move, but I don't care about the tight end position long-term unless it's a Travis Kelsey. You know what I mean? So outside of that, like I, I like where your head's at. I think like Pitts is an exception to the rule right now. He's my favorite tight end prospect that I can honestly remember, <laughs> you know, long story short is, is that like, I, I just like, I rather get something that I know that's going to be productive. You know what I mean? In the now, and then worry about tight end later in the, down the road. Yeah. Oh, we're in a complete agreement on it. And, and when I brought that up, I was actually not, I should have started off by saying that I didn't disagree with you at all. I was just kind of, was actually pivoting a little bit and just saying that I don't necessarily want to be just for the premise of the show. I understand that we're talking about draft picks and rookies. However, with these kind of tight ends, I'm more willing to move up and down tiers of my tight ends, these veteran tight ends, to acquire Hunter Henry than just give up draft capital for Hunter Henry, just because I don't really think that's a solid move as far as draft capital is concerned. So that's kind of as a little bit of an aside here of that sometimes we, like you've actually criticized me at times, like, oh, you always view things in a draft pick mentality. And I know that's the, the theme of the show. But I just want to add there too, if people are interested in Hunter Henry, maybe they should look within moving up and down tiers of tight ends instead of paying up for draft capital. Look at you. I think you're growing. Look at you. 
improving your system. You may hang out with me long for a while. I like it. <laughs> so our number eight uh, free agent, Curtis Samuel, the newest member of the Washington football team. He's going to be their wide receiver too. Everybody knows how much I loved him. When If you watch that draft episode where we did the free agent pool, he was a wide receiver too last year, finished, uh, I think, not off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure he's a wide receiver 23 uh, in PPR formats. I feel like showing how not sure I am about St. Brown, because I would definitely take Curtis Samuel over St. Brown. But that's where you're looking at where other ADP is for DLF, where that's where St. Brown is. I would put Elijah Moore over St. Brown, and I had have a tough time picking Elijah Moore over Curtis Samuel, but landing spot and draft capital could totally change my mind. So Elijah Moore, Curtis Samuel, that's my debate. That's where I'm like, and I'm really high on Elijah Moore. So that's giving Curtis Samuel some some serious um, gratitude. The whole thing I'm looking at is I love the Samuel landing spot. Still very young, tons of potential. I could be singing a different tune depending on what St. Brown and what Elijah Moore's draft capital is and where they land, if it's a great system fit. But Curtis Samuel, man, he already finished in the wide receiver two range, man. He's so good, and he's such a good athlete, and he's only 24. Dave, what are your thoughts? I really liked listening to your breakdown of there of that, how you broke that down, Todd. And I actually am pretty much in the same boat. We're at the point now in our free agency, like our tiers of free agents. We're essentially in that tier where it's kind of wishy-washy, like based, like I said off the top, of where your team is right now, but also where we're valuing them as far as rookies are concerned. And I don't necessarily want to be be giving up my 203s, my 206s, or whatever, like that around there, even my 201s for Samuel, even though I like a lot of what Samuel does. I think he's got a decent all-around skill set, and it'll be he definitely should have a chance at some volume in Washington. So, Todd, I like a lot what you said about Samuel, but just kind of that, that, that wishy-washy feel of, I don't necessarily want to be giving up those picks for Samuel. That's if my guys are gone in the draft, like this is a draft day move for me where my Elijah Moores are gone. My Tylen Wallace's are gone or a, a couple, maybe a running back has moved up my boards like a Jamar Jeff- Jefferson or something like that. I don't want to trade away this pick knowing that I would have had a chance at an Elijah Moore based on how my in- individual league falls. So for that reason, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to trade Curtis Samuel at this point. However, if I had to, I'd probably say I'd give up the 10, like how I value him. I think he's worth around the 201, 202. Like after my top 14 rookies, probably, I'd start thinking about Curtis Samuel. I was asked in a chat today, not me specifically, but in the chat, there was a talk of, would you get the 28 for Curtis Samuel? And I said, yes, I'd definitely smash the 28 for Samuel because I do, I would. All day. All day. Ju- exactly. And that's because I don't think. After the recent events and where I actually am starting to think where Elijah Moore is going to be going, where Elijah Moore is going to be going, where Terrence Marshall is going to be going, where Town Wasser will be going, I think they're going to be off the board by the 208 and most likely. I'm willing to give up that 208, 207 right now if I had to. Other than that, I'm just going to stay away until draft day to make this move where I would be as willing to give up the 201, 202, depending on my league. However, he's right now, Todd, on the Dynasty Trade Calculator, he's worth the 111 according to their evaluation. And I'm sorry, I'm not giving up the 111 for, or no, no, the 110, my mistake. Value is the 110. I'm not giving up the 110, which could be a raw, which could be, that, that that very much could be one of the top tier wide receivers in this in this draft at that point. I, I, no, thank you. That could be Javante Williams. Javante you know I mean? Williams, it could, yeah, right. 100%. I mean, you could even take a stab at Mac Jones in the Superflex at that part, and you're passing it up for, you know, I mean, I love Curtis Samuel, dude. I, I'm going to be the guy that's not, I'm not going to come here and say like, hey, he's not worth making a move for. But 110, man, there is no first round pick that is worth Cam Samuel right now. Not a chance. But wow. Some of these trade calculator values are wild to me, man. Wild. And you know what it is, Todd? I think they build into the fact that we we feel pretty strongly about some of these players like a Rondell Moore or an Elijah Moore or a, or a Terrence Mitchell. Or Marshall, whatever the fr- I always get his name mixed up. But and I think when we like them, I think sometimes we forget about the risk that's involved. And I think the calculators is is building into this thing that these once you get to that certain point in the draft, the odds of these players hitting becomes a lot less. So I think that's kind of built into it. Totally, man. I I, I really think this class is a 
giant exception to the rule. And which is fine. Like you're essentially trying to play outside the rules with what typically happens. So that's fair. All right. So our number nine free agent is Will Fuller, who ended up with the Miami Dolphins this year. Not a bad landing spot. It's a it's a place where he could emerge as the top wide receiver there, though. They got some good players with Parker and, you know, Preston Williams coming off an injury. He's He's got talent. But, you know, Fuller's coming out. He's going to start the year suspended. A guy who has a long injury history. You know what, Dave? Let's see where you value him first. I want to let you start. So this is another example where it depends on what my team needs are. If I'm, if I, if I'm trying to win right now, if I'm, or if I'm close, like I'm in between, and I'm trying to, to build up that squad where I think if things go right, where I'm going to be in contention, yeah, I'm going to be giving up the... I'd be, I'd be willing to swing for the fences for Will Fuller and give up maybe the 204 or Terrence Marshall. That's in my realm of what I would consider giving up that kind of capital for. But I would, I'd be, it'd feel like a lot where I would rather do that on draft date again, and I feel like there's a cop-out. However, that being said, that Miami offense, Todd, could look really nice with you know RB1, Miles Gaskin, uh, Salvin Ahmed, spelling him. There could be a lot of sexy things there. Devontae Parker, Jamar Chase, and Will Fuller. That's some nice, some you're, nice. You're wide wishing that there, backfield. God. You're wishing that backfield in existence right now. <laughs> oh God. Well, I think that's how we get to it to be a you know a top three yeah. QB in Dynasty. Oh, Todd, so many things are gonna happen when, when Miles Gaskin just opens up that offense. Love it, man. <sighs> I love it. <laughs> but in all seriousness, though, Will Fuller, when he is on the field, he is making you know, he is performing at a high level. He's making his quarterbacks perform at a high level. And I think this is a really nice addition for Miami for Tua. And I think he's a value in startups overall, but in existing leagues, those players who have, those managers who have Will Fuller on their team know how good Will Fuller is. So you're going to have to go up some decent draft capital to get him. He's at 111 again in the Dynasty Trade Calculator value. That is steep to get Will Fuller, who people are saying maybe the only reason he stayed healthy is because he was taking performance enhancing drugs. You know, he did his, he did the thing where he stayed healthy for a whole year and we saw him produce until he was suspended for five, six games. But Will Fuller is a track is isn't intriguing for me, but usually with these type of with these secondary or third tier wide receivers, they're they're risky bets, in my opinion. There's there's a reason why they're in that second, third tier, because they're not they might have some not complete profiles. Whereas if you need to win now, if you need that piece. Will Fuller could be a home run piece to a lineup. And that's just, you know, obviously talking ceiling, but Will Fuller definitely has some high upside weeks in a lineup. So right around that 204 Terrence Marshall range for me, Todd. That I like that. I mean, it's higher than for me. I'm not a huge Will Fuller guy. I like Will Fuller's talent. And just like you said, he has shown the ability to win managers weekly matchups just on his back, dude. He has these huge, huge, huge weeks. But for me, like, there's so many ways that he keeps himself off a football field, dude. You know what I mean? Like, whether it be injuries or suspensions, and, like, obviously he moves on to a new team. Like, you know, you want to say that that's a great landing spot. And, I mean, it, there's definitely potential there. But the one thing that I disagree with you about was is talking about why those guys are in the second tier. I think those guys are in the second tier, not because they're not worthy being in the first tier. It's because of just the the depth of talent of this class. Marshall is a first round wide receiver in most rookie drafts. Easily. But he's a second early mid second round pick because it's just how dirty deep this draft is, you know? So I think it's more that he just happens to be and he lit it up in his pro day, dude. He put up some stupid numbers. So the thing about it is is that I'd rather try to hit on a Marshall who I think has the potential to prove everybody wrong. Like he's kind of like the T Higgins to me. T Higgins was a guy that was going early second in a lot of drafts where he really outperformed from that. And I think that Marshall has the kind of like that range of possibilities too. So uh, I, I find it offensive that you put T Higgins in the same breath as Terrence Marshall, man. You I hated if, T Higgins. You, I did not hate. I did, he, was had, my, he was the top of my second tier, Todd. The top no, of my not second at tier. first. Not at first. He was like 13 or something when you first started evaluating him. It was low. It was low. Uh, I'll have to go back and play the tape. I, I definitely you, moved him you, up. You can. 
you can go play that tape, buddy, and you let me listen. All right. But, but Todd, you have to admit, though, knowing what we know now, and especially where we, I ended up on on T. Higgins at the end of the process, which is the more important part. Sure. It it would feel it'd be it'd be t- it, I think it's disingenuous. To, I mean, Terrence Marshall had one year of production essentially to to compare him to what T. Higgins is. And I think I know what no, you're saying no, where no, he's no, of he value. Did, he did not have one year of production. He did not have one year of production. And then he had a, a bunch of touchdowns. Oh, come on. He was pretty damn productive while sharing the ball with Chase and Jefferson. Come on, dude. Come on. Like, they're like their two best like rookie prospects in the last two years that he played with. All right, whatever. I rather have Marshall than Fuller. All right. So where Fuller lies for me is that. I'm looking at him as more of a late second round pick. So obviously, whatever people are looking for him, I'm not the guy you're looking to trade Will Fuller to because I'm not looking to spend up on. So I'm cool with moving. I'm not a huge Tony guy. He's probably not there at the end of the second round, even though the DLF uh, ADP has that. And then there's Michael Carter. And I might rather take a swing on Michael Carter in a good situation, say San Fran, than Fuller. And that's just really just based on trying to hit on a running back, man. And I also don't see Fuller being a guy that is going to consistently be a top 24 wide receiver. Like, yeah, he'll be a startable piece and he could have some huge weeks, but he has a tough time staying on the field and it's a huge depth position. You know what I mean? So to me, like, I'd rather take a swing at some of the younger guys and see what they can do than Will Fuller, who has a very checkered pass, man. Like, in a lot of ways, you know? So... I like what you're saying, Dave. Like, it's absolutely a swing for the fences, uh, kind of win now, kind of a move. But I, in this class, there's just so many guys that I'm just so high on that Will Fuller is not just moving the needle for me. Fair enough, sir. Fair enough. All right. T. Higgins hater. I, I'm his lover, man. <laughs> I, I, I am the lover. I, I, I got ridiculed by you for putting him as my number four wide receiver at one point. All right. Todd, Todd ridiculed is strong. Ridiculed is strong. Ridiculed. It was ridiculed. We'll find the tape. We'll find I think, the tape. I think you're just projecting every uh, C.D. Lamb comment that I made that uh, as just projecting onto every wide receiver in this in last year's class. No, nope, no, nope, just those two, just those two. That's it. That's it, David. And uh, all my Brian Edwards comments came true. So, <laughs> so uh, Corey Davis was our wide receiver ten to the New York Jets. I'll start because my argument's pretty lame. Pretty much same. Categories fuller, Tony Carter area. Last show, I kind of bashed the landing spot, but, but you know, they should draft. I, I think they should draft Justin Fields, but it's probably end up being Zach, Zach Wilson. So I could warm up to Davis with that QB a little bit more. Yeah, no, I'm pretty much a late second again right there. What about you, Dave? I'm surprised we didn't hear the Corey Davis sucks spiel from you that, you know, he played the goose egg in the championship spiel from you, Todd. So you're, I feel like. You're finally moving on from that take, so good, good job, my friend. Good job. No, I just made sure that you were going to say it instead of me. It sounded uh, nicer. That's right. You're in my head. I forgot, so I have to. You know, I, you know that you're in my head, so I, you knew I would say it. But free rent, baby. <laughs> but uh, you mentioned how you wanted Todd. You mentioned how you wanted Justin Fields to be the quarterback at for the Jets, and I really like where your head's at with that. And the idea of him with Corey Davis would be exciting. I have had a student, Todd, that I worked with in kindergarten. And first grade, and actually a little bit in second grade too, he is now a freshman or sophomore, and I'm now at the same school as him. I and he's a big Jets fan, big Jets fan. Like I asked him when he was getting off the bus, I saw him on, getting off the bus last week. I say, "Hey man, who do you want the Jets to take it to?" And without a doubt, he goes Justin Fields. And that a boy. I was like, I was like, I gave him the fist bump. I was like, that's what I'm talking about, man. That's what I'm talking about. So that's very cool. So that's my little uh, uh, Justin Fields to the Jets piece. So I get really excited the idea of Corey Davis and Denzel Mims working together in the same wide receiver core with Keelan Cole, a former crush of mine, and we still got Jameson Crowder there as well. That's some not terrible weapons for a young quarterback. Maybe they add some more wide receiver depth from this class as well. I really like the idea of Corey Davis with another weapon, hopefully that Denzel Mims can mature to, so he's not necessarily the go-to, has to face all the number one coverage. And if hopefully the and the new coaching staff can be a little more creative in the wide receiver core. So that was just a I guess a long ode to Corey Davis there. But I'd be willing, like I said, I got the same. He's in that same that same realm of man. I've been seeing Rondale Moore now after some of his weak combine, Todd, 
aka people just have a real thing about him being 5'7", I'm seeing him go at 202 at some spots. And that's exactly kind of where I have Corey Davis. I'd be willing to give up. And if I paid the 202 for Corey Davis and Rondell Moore slipped that far, I would a brick, my friend. So I'm more likely to hold on to that. I'm probably more looking again for that 203, 204, 205 range. But the Dynasty Trade Calculator has him as well as the 111. And that's just too rich for my blood. So Corey Davis is shaping up as someone I like and who's probably on some of my teams, but already, so I don't have to worry about this. But man, in this range, I'm, I, it's tough to give up the, this, these swings because there's, everyone's going to be saying there's going to be value falling in the early second round of, of Superflex drafts. So I don't want to give up, be giving up premium picks to get, to get Corey Davis, Todd. Absolutely. Also, like Corey Davis has not even remotely close to the ceiling for some of these guys that are going to fall in the early second round. And that's what my point was with Marshall, man. And my point about him, like Marshall versus Higgins, is more about the realm of possibilities, dude. They're not the same profile. But the thing is, is like you got Marshall, both Moores, geez, uh, St. Brown will be in that area. It, Wallace just, will be there. Or- yeah, exactly, man. I mean, it it's just loaded, loaded. So, yeah, not even sniffing Corey Davis in the first round. I'm not looking to move anything in the mid-second, late-second. Totally willing to do that and snag a piece that might be a wide four on my team. So, you know what's interesting, Todd, is that you, I think it's actually an interesting when you hear, I like Corey Davis probably more than Will Fuller overall as a profile, but I talked more about Will Fuller's upside. Yeah. I didn't necessarily feel the same type of upside where I think that you might be getting more of a steady producer with Corey Davis. And I think yeah. I'm, I'm kind of talking in a little gen- generalities now, but you get that, that home run swinging ability with Will Fuller. And that's why I'm more willing to give up those pieces. But with Corey Davis, he's more of a uh, median out range of outcomes, like a safe pl- pl- type play, I think. And is that's not as attractive to be giving up those kind of pieces for that. So that's more of a, people are going to have to pay me a certain price to give him up instead of me trying to go get him with draft capital. You know what's kind of funny? If you trade their landing spots, I like it better for both players. Because fuller we get the stronger arm QB, whether it's Wilson or Fields. Not, I, mean, I think Tua's arm strength also overplayed, but I mean, just Wilson and like, I think Fields just fit Fuller better. And then I think Davis is a great fit for Tua. I just find that kind of funny now that we're just thinking about it. It's just something that popped in my head while we were talking, you know? I see it. All I right. see what you're talking about. Yeah. So our free agent 11 is the consummate RB2, Chris Carson. So Chris Carson, back with the Seahawks. Uh, definitely a deal that the Seahawks can get out of, but he's got a nice amount of chunk. He's got a nice chunk of change coming in for this year with some nice incentives there. Dave, what are you thinking about with Carson, man? Like, like, where are you valuing him? We should also say we're Chris Carson, tail to rivals, Todd. We were, we're big fans. We've been big fans since the beginning with Chris Carson. Oh yeah. Big time, dude. Big time. Former flag plant for us who has had some decent stretches in his career. So just a little shout out to old, the old Chris Carson. This is where this is where my running back philosophy comes into play. I, I'm he's almost he's being valued as the 111 in the Dynasty Trade Calculator, Todd. And I understand because there's not a lot like it's Rashad Penny and Chris Carson, and that's about it out there. And if they liked Rashad Penny, would they have brought back Chris Carson for that price tag? So it feels like there's not a lot of faith in Penny at this point. So it's kind of Chris Carson's backfield at the moment before the draft. So I understand why there's some buzz with Carson. However, man, I'm not paying a 20. He was extremely, extremely efficient. A ton of fancy points over expected last year. Uh, very, and some of that was through some, some receiving, receiving touchdowns. I, I do not, I think there's, he's due for some regression as far as that's concerned. I, I'm staying, I, he's essentially off my board as far as acquiring him with picks, unless it's like a, a late second, which seems foolish because he definitely has value, but he's just a guy that, on my team, I'm not acquiring him until the season starts. I see Chris Carson's role, and if I need that running back to help push me to where I need to get. So that's just, I like Chris Carson. He's got some dual threat ability, but this is just one of those things, Todd, where my process gets in the way of me of me going out and acquiring Chris Carson at this point. So I, I feel like we are in a similar place where we view Carson's situation, but I'm a little bit more willing to roll some dice here. and. It's because it's a running back, and I think that the running back situation outside of like the top 18 or so, it starts to get dicey, man. 
if I can move a mid-second to get a guy who I'm pretty confident could be an RB2, and, but I need to be contending. I need to know that I am a legit possible champ in that league. And if I'm not 100% sold that I'm in that situation, I'm not making this move I'm about to say. All right? So if I'm contending, Tywin Wallace is the last guy that I'm definitely taking over Carson. So I'll take a proven RB2 over St. Brown, Elijah Moore, and Chuba Hubbard if I'm contending. If I'm not contending and I have Carson, I'm looking to move him for a late first and try to max out on Carson. If I hit that, I shrug gold. I shouldn't hit that, but it's not outside of the realm of being ridiculous. Then I'm working my way back until I'm into the mid-second with some other pieces, and I'm just trying to be patient with that process and max out my value and work that through. If I'm Chris Carson, if I have Chris Carson, I'm evaluating my situation right now. Am I legit this year or am I not? If I'm not quite sure, then I'm going to sell them. And I'm going to be patient about working my way from like, say like pick 11 and just work my way back and just try to get as much capital as I can from right now. But if I am legit, I'm looking to be that guy's trade partner. It's a very good situation to work out for Chris Carson. And I feel like both teams could really benefit from trades if you're in that week. So figure out who you are in, uh, in your situation. And I think Chris Carson is either a great sell or a great buy, depending on who you are. Like you said, Todd, we're kind of coming in from the same part, point, but we're a little bit different. However, I would say I'd more likely acquire Chris Carson in a package deal that might have other pieces involved than me trading, like I said, just a straight draft, kip, draft pick for. So, that, so that'd so be a different way. Maybe I'd try to go about acquiring Chris Carson. I think the main thing is like when I develop a deal, I have the main pieces and then I kind of build it out from there. If your main pieces are there and then you decide like, Oh, you know, I really like the fact that you have like Hopkins. Okay, dude, you just totally changed the trade. Like, <laughs> like I hate when I try to make a smaller trade. Then somebody hits me up. He goes, what about Devonte Adams? Be like, dude, what the hell? <laughs> like, that's not where we were heading. So like that kind of a thing. So yeah, that's more like where I'm heading with that kind of reasoning. So you have those two main pieces. You start to build out those packages from there. Cause it, it's pretty rare that I would do a straight up trade like that. I'd probably try to get a little bit more back. So you probably get Carson in a third for a second would be my guess, you know? So, all right. Anything else, David? I like it, Todd. I like that little caveat you put on the end. Or maybe if, maybe it's you're dealing more future picks, maybe a future second for Carson. Maybe that's something that's more in play here, but that's outside this, uh, the scope of the show at the point. All right. So our number 12 wide receiver is Jadu Smith, the other tight end that the Patriots signed. Freak athlete, Definitely busted out a little bit, broke out with the Titans, had eight touchdowns, put up some pretty decent yardage, showed that athleticism. So as much as I like John New's uh, potential in this, I'm still taking an Elijah Moore over him. And that, and like right around where Tony is, which is around the end of the second round, that's where my process begins. In a t- one tight end league, he's tough to gauge, man. I'm probably keeping any second over John New in a one tight end league and probably only giving up a third for him. I do love his potential, his athleticism, his landing spot, but it's still an unknown. And Hunter Henry still exists that went to the same place. I think I'd even possibly take Tony over John New in in case I'm wrong in some situations. Because Tony might have to draft capital. I don't understand why, but, you know, they're NFL scouts. Like, they might, they probably know more than I do. Actually, they definitely do. So, in a two tight end league, I'm looking to move a later second for him, you know? I might take him over Jordan and Fryermuth. Again, capital, landing spot. Huge part of my process because I love those two tight end prospects. But it's tough to evaluate this one until I have all the information. But he's an interesting Kent, hence why I include him in the discussion. Yeah, it's pretty much the same argument I said about Hunter Henry. But, you know, we've just decided to come full circle on the show. What about you, Dave? Rinse and repeat, Todd. Just kind of like you said, the same type of argument for Hunter Henry. And that's kind of... Why I've, I was hesitant on Hunter Henry is because it's tough to decide Janu Smith and Hunter Henry. For some reason in my head, I think Janu has a little bit more upside, even though I, I, I really liked Hunter Henry as a prospect. I really liked, I, I, I've had a soft spot for Hunter Henry for a long time. And actually, same thing with Janu Smith. I've really liked Janu Smith, but something about the way they came out swinging for Janu Smith there on day one ha- has me feeling that they really want to try to 
take advantage of his athleticism and his skill set. So maybe I would get a little more excited about some potential upside with Smith. But overall, I think he's just a great football player. And I don't have much to add by saying that I'm not going to invest a real rookie pick out inside my first 18, you know, inside until this later part of the second round, even in a two tight end league. If I need a starter, yeah, maybe I'll give up that. Instead of taking Brevin Jordan, I would take Jonu Smith in a deal just because I get, like you had mentioned earlier about that sure, that surefire production or a potential production, because who knows how Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry, how they're going to score week to week. But yeah, it's tough to say anything too crazy about Jonu Smith besides that. Yeah. um, He's being valued as the 204 right now in the Dynasty Trade Calculator. And yeah, I'm not giving up a 204 for for Jonu Smith, even though how even though I think he is an exciting tight end talent at this point, Todd. Yeah, and I think around the 204 is like that's the spot in this rookie draft where landing spot, like of course landing spot matters, but it doesn't matter as much to me with those top 16, 17 guys because their profiles are enough that I'm going to be happy just to bet on that talent, you know, and I'm not looking to move a for a tight end in that situation over some of those guys so well said man well said um david we did it we wrapped it up and um we're definitely going to come back next week uh you know i don't think david i think we're gonna let you know gonna, gonna like keep people on some pins and needles about what we're gonna do next week ak we're not sure yet i was about to say i'm on pins and needles what we're gonna do next week <laughs> <laughs> i don't think we had an idea yet but uh we'll come up with something good but uh, David, tell them where they can find you, buddy. You can find me and my musings over at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. I'm at FF underscore Spaceman on the Twitter machine. And you can also check out me on Patreon, where I have a lot of free spreadsheets and databases, prospect databases, combine databases, um, in-season weekly databases. I have an NFL premium database as well that I've added a bunch of fun stuff to, Todd. But overall, just reach out. Let's talk some fantasy football. And you can also find me over on the Rookie Fever podcast where we're doing everything rookies. Todd, my, my friend, now that uh, I've kind of you know, given them the spiel about myself, where can they find you? You can find me on the Twitter machine. And I am at FF underscore Banterman. Hit me up about Dynasty. Hit me up about Devi, C2C, Hoops, whatever it is. I'm down to banter. So uh, you can also find my writing over at the IDP guys. I'm still working on some pieces on some more C2C content. And you can also be looking out for that rookie mock that I'm going to be starting up this weekend. Uh, That's going to be uh, some good stuff where it's going to include some IDP rookies. So if you're looking for information on IDP rookies, IDP guys is the way to go. Uh, Cheap subscriptions. You can just get as as low as a dollar, you know, and you can actually have access to me and all those uh, great IDP minds over on an exclusive Slack Slack chat. So, um, yeah. And... Obviously, you can always find me over here in the Tale 2 Rivals, baby. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So, happy trading, everybody. I went up and I talked to one of my closest friends at work, right? And I told him about the question today about the Matt Rushmore of villains. And he was so upset that neither of us had a single Disney villain on our Mount Rushmore. But then he also told me that you can't put an animal on there. And I was like, because he didn't like the jaw steak. And I was like, bro, you cannot come at me and tell me I can't use Disney movie villains if Scar's not your 101. If Scar's not your ultimate villain, he freaking killed Mufasa, dude. Like, come on. That was like the most emotional scene of my childhood. I like I respected the take before he said no animals. Like, come on, man. Come on. I'm sorry. Jaws is fucking scary. <laughs> he is. <laughs> I can't I, even I, swim in pools at night, dude. That's how scared I am of Jaws. I even talked about the idea of like Jaws being at the bottom eating the other three villains. It'd be a phenomenal Mount Rushmore. <laughs> No, it was wicked funny. And then he was like so upset about the Disney thing. And I was like, that's fair. I can respect the Disney villain take. Just there's just so many good of them. that. And he goes, what about Hades? I go, that's a cop out. I'm like, Hades is is a Greek, like a Greek myth. 
yeah, it, it was fun. But we, we, we got really into that one. He, he really enjoyed our take. And he had never seen the usual suspects. And I told him I refuse to be friends with him until that's rectified. <laughs> I'm so. trying to think, dude. I think Gaston is a great Disney villain. Mm-hmm. Ursula, Cruella de Vil. There are some... I, I mean, yeah. we had Captain Hook up there. I know I said from the mm-hmm. live action one, but still, like, Captain Hook, come on, that's that kind of sure, counts. Dude. For sure. We should actually do a Mount Rushmore the other side. Just like super- good guys? Well, I would say just go, go superheroes. But, like, because you can keep it the DC Marvel-like realm. You know what I mean? It just kind of, like, it narrows it. I mean, you do good guys. It could That, that could go for on forever. Or the Mount Rushmore movie athlete. Under the radar, Professor Radigan from The Great Mouse Detective. That scared me. That sh- the Great Mouse Detective was scary. <laughs> he was a scary mofo. That was such a deep cut. But <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, that he, yeah, he was intense, dude. That was a good one. Um, <laughs> I can't and believe I, pull so, that out, dude. <laughs> I can't believe, I can't believe I knew what that was, but oh my god. Uh, uh, um, but before we close out, Todd, I want to say too, I almost bought, I almost like in the take, I almost just crucified, you know, I almost didn't want to do Mount Rushmore because I'm very anti Mount Rushmore, my friend. I am very anti Mount Rushmore. For I'll real? never go. I'll never go. I'll never take my kids there. That is indigenous land, my friend. That is indigenous no. land. All right. That's totally fair. I will give you that. It's just, it's just, it's just more about the idea of a tribute. And like, we could, <laughs> we, we, would, would you like me to fit, find another something with four faces on it to use as yes. an example? All yes. Right. Like, you know what's funny, Todd, is that I was in a chat. I was in a chat, my, the happy hour chat that I'm always in. Yep. And they were talking, they were all talking about Mount Rushmore. They actually, they were, they were getting me grief that I didn't put Voldemort on the list. Yeah, or, um, I'm. I'm not surprised. And I'm so, surprised. because well, they're in their own Harry Potter league. So, oh yeah, they, yeah, yeah. So, and I almost went back and I said, like, oh, I hate, dude. Don't even get me going about Mount Rushmore. They forgot we just recorded about Mount Rushmore, so I couldn't even come at them with that. Oh, that's so funny, dude. Uh, but yeah, so. I mean, I can totally respect the take on Mount Rushmore just in general. But it's more like, it's more like what just feeds the debate. But yeah, that's funny, man. That is funny. Um, ah, that's too good, man. I'm going to stop it there. That, 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 that's good banter.